Hello and welcome to another episode of Conversations Beyond the Pew. And today I have with me, I have Marianne Grano, Reverend and Esquire. Uh, so yeah. she's got a couple of things. Uh, she's also the stated clerk now of the Detroit Presbytery. And she is. Uh, she started just as the pandemic was ramping up. Uh, so it's one of those things where she is in. So welcome, Marianne. Thank you, Kara. Uh, it's been really great to start to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for inviting me. Sure thing. Uh, so today we're going to talk uh, a little bit. Uh, those who listen to my podcast know uh, very physical. Uh, I like to work out a lot. But I also try to pay attention not just to the physical, but to the mental and the spiritual, uh, just as we're thinking about being a whole person and all the aspects of our lives and how we're engaging those things. And so today, Marion and I are going to talk about the mental aspect and about mental health. So Marianne, what um, got you interested yeah. in uh, talking about and educating yourself and getting into the realm of mental health? Right. So, yeah, I think um, when I look at my family of origin, um, you know, there's mental health issues basically everywhere. Um, and I myself really probably they were first identified when I was about seven years old, but I didn't really get very serious treatment until I had um, an ep a major depressive episode when I was 19, when I was freshman year of college, which is actually a really common time to um, have a major depressive episode. Mm -hmm. um, at that time I was hospitalized and I had to make a lot of life changes um, and started to really take my mental health a lot more seriously. Um, and basically, so I'm now 38, so it's been almost 20 years of kind of having that be part of my life, monitoring it. Um, yeah, and then, you know, with my kids, I have three children, you know, had to be especially watching out for postpartum depression, and so that became part of my life, too. And so, yeah, mental health has just been something that I have to be really particularly aware of for myself, and so then I've um, uh, kind of been, that's become part of my ministry too, really, um, as well. All right. So what do you find most fascinating about that being part of your ministry? Oh, fascinating. I guess I'm always, I guess I'm always just fascinated, um, because I guess I don't really think of myself as like somebody who would be, you know, an authority figure, even though I guess you would think that comes with the territory kind of with all my, you know, titles and things that you said, I don't really think of myself that way. Mm -hmm. But I did learn um, that when I say, you know, I have had depression, I've been hospitalized for depression. I am fascinated that people go, Oh, my gosh, you know, this mm -hmm. person who's this authority figure, struggle, you know, struggles with that. And um, so that's 
kind of surprising to me and I've learned that there's power in that, that every time that I share that, um, it maybe helps another person to feel, you know, like not so alone or it helps destigmatize it um, in some ways that can, can be helpful. So that's why I, you know, even though some people say to me like, well, how do you share that? Aren't you like afraid people will judge you? It's completely worth it if someone wants to judge me or, you know, have an impression that I, I don't know, um, am not going to do my job as effectively or something. It's worth it because if somebody who is struggling hears that and it helps them, that's just more important. Well, and it definitely draws deeper connections with people as people hear that and they themselves can then say, oh, I've struggled as well. Um, through the years, what are some practices that you have found that have been helpful um, as you've navigated your mental health of, of trying to, to stay healthy, uh, of, mm-hmm. of being proactive in mm-hmm. that? I think a big one is just naming the emotion, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, just naming the emotion that you're feeling like I'm feeling really anxious right now. I'm mm-hmm. feeling really sad. And then you kind of take that emotion and almost look at it um, like it's outside of yourself. Um, then you look at the thoughts that are connected to it. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm feeling really anxious today because mm-hmm. my boss is upset with me. So why is that making me feel anxious? Well, I guess I'm having the thought that I might lose my job. And then you look at that thought and you say, is that thought rational or irrational? I probably Mm -hmm. won't lose my job. He's annoyed with this thing. And then when you take that, you know, judgment that you've decided, oh, that thought is irrational, then you go back to the emotion. Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going through this too fast. And you reevaluate, right? Like, um, okay, do I want to maybe feel differently about that based on, evaluated my thought. There's a really great book that, you know, and so it's old fashioned. It's like an actual paper book, which now I, there's probably an app, but I, I just learned to do it with the book, which is called mind over mood. And it's just basically cognitive behavioral therapies. So, you know, it's, it's naming the emotion, looking at the thoughts that are connected to it, um, evaluating those thoughts and then kind of coming back Mm-hmm. to um to the emotion um and that that takes some time and some practice um but yeah and I, I definitely don't do it perfectly but when I'm you know when I I sit back and I say okay um you know I, those are the steps I go through yeah um w- other practices have there been have you found um where connecting with others or other things that may have also been helpful in this through this time? Absolutely. And I want to say a couple, okay, so that was kind of like, I guess, you know, dealing with emotions outside mm-hmm. of, you know, being in a major depressive episode where like you can't get out of bed in the morning, right? So I right. mean, and professional um, help is needed, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to be very clear that I've used, but professional help and I've used Mm -hmm. medication and I'm on medication. And I think, 
you know, medication sometimes can like get you to the place where all of the other um, tools and the cognitive behavioral therapy will work. Um, But I think managing your emotions when you're not in that, you know, acute major depressive time can help you so that, you know, so that you have more like tools in your toolbox when a a crisis comes in life, as we know that they will, you don't end up back hopefully in that major depressive place. But I have people as well that I kind of keep in my life um, that kind of watch me in a way and, and are, you know, friends. And um, the best thing is if you have a relationship where you would do the same thing for them um, who kind of mm-hmm. know my history and are like, hey, Marianne, you know, you're, you're having some trouble. You know, maybe you need to go back to where you revisit, you know, going back into therapy or, or you need to do something, you know? Yeah. Um, so that is a big thing. Like I kind of, I've described it, I described it to, to uh, in a group you and I were both in, it's kind of like being a diabetic, right? Where like you're going to have diabetes your whole life, but you learn how to manage it. You learn how to control it. If you move cities, you find a new doctor. It's yeah. kind of like that is the way I see it, you know? Um, I know kind of where the resources are if I need to draw on them more so. Um, so yeah, but no, um, I think when you were talking about like the mind, the body, the spirit, I mean, those things all really interplay probably more than any of us would, would recognize. Right. So if I get exercise um, regularly, that would be the number one thing that helps my mental health and they've done studies that um and I hesitate to talk about this because I don't want to act like you know medication is not helpful but there are those people that are able to do 30 minutes sustained four times a week or more um of a moderate intensity intensity activity and um then are able to go off of medications so you know it can really help um, yeah, help with your serotonin and all these things. So, um, so yeah, so exercise is huge. And for me, I mean, if I don't have my regular prayer time and quiet time, that can be a a huge issue. So I wear, um, I've been wearing like this bracelet on my, on my wrist lately that just says, well, please, because I think one of the negative thoughts that I get that I get sucked into is like thoughts of worthlessness. That is a really big thing Mm -hmm. for me. And so I had a spiritual director once who had me read um, that chapter um, of Mark and where, where Jesus is baptized and the spirit says, you know, this is my son, my beloved with whom I well, I am well pleased. And the spiritual director wanted me to say that I was God's daughter with whom God was well pleased. And it took me a very, very long time until I could say that, um, mm. you know, just struggling, but, but I'm so sinful. I'm like, I do so many stupid things, you know, mm-hmm. um, like in, and so that has been really big, you know, to stop, um, to stop every day and to just kind of bask in God's love and to recognize that I don't have to do anything, um, in order to be loved. Um, so for me anyway, that, um, you know, that has been very, very helpful for my mental health. It's, it's all three of those mind, body, spirit, 
recognizing what you're putting into your body, um, those kinds of things. Well, and, and you bring up something so important that it's also, you've had to try different things, right? So for every person, it's different what, what works, but you're willing to, to try it. Just even though it was difficult to, to do that thing with um, the gospel of Mark, that's your spiritual director, you still like tried it and then found it to be helpful. Yeah, and it's not just person to person, but it's going to be different things at different points in your life. Mm, so there point. might be a time when, you know, something's helpful for you and then that's not working anymore. Um, or, you know, even with therapy, sometimes it is this therapist has brought me as far as I can go, but this issue that I'm having now, mm -hmm. you know, I need to seek a new person um, or, or medication related, all of those things, you know, it can change. Your body changes throughout your life. Your mind changes throughout your life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a resilience, you know, that's what one of my therapists said is developing resiliency, you know, um, <laughs> as you go through these things. And for me, you know, um, I've been one of the lucky ones, one of the blessed ones, whatever you want to call it, that I guess um, I have been able to have those tools. Um, and I have a lot of support in my life, too, um, where I've been able to have different tools at my disposal to help me um, with, with the challenges that are my lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and having those tools gives you, it sounds like you're hopeful in that, like whatever you're facing, there's, there's a way to go through it with having hope and navigating it, um, that you're not alone in it. I know, uh, if, if being in ministry has shown me anything, it is that mental health, I mean, there, there are people with problems in mental health, I believe, everywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. There are different degrees of willingness to admit that and accept it and share it, but it's just, you know, everywhere. I mean, um, there are a lot of people that, that really struggle. Um, so we're not in it alone. I mean, none of us, none of us is alone. And um, I think when you feel alone, um, you know, you can be tricked, right? Especially when you're, you're having a really hard time and thinking you're not. And so it's reminding yourself and placing reminders in your life to go and reach out to other people, you know? Okay. Um, I mean, I have a friend that's struggling right now and, and I, you know, I'm not going to betray at all who it is, but I, you know, just kind of, feeling for that person and, you know, just trying to reach out to them and just keep sending the texts, you know, even if they just fall into a black hole, just, um, in hopes that others will know, hey, you know, I'm here. Yeah. Um, well, and especially right now, it seems, you know, we're, we're seeing where people are struggling with the pandemic because they're, uh, you know, all, their lives or maybe the way they've usually worked through something mm -hmm. are not so easily accessed mm -hmm. or maybe it's because they find themselves um, 
worried or anxious um, because they've lost a job, like something in their life mm -hmm. has changed or now mm -hmm. um, with uh, the protest and realizing mm -hmm. what awfulness there is in this world mm -hmm. that maybe some of us were blind to, didn't see, didn't care to see, but now it's yeah. like right there in front of us. Um, and so I know for some, it, they feel like the world's falling apart or their life mm -hmm. is falling apart. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that sense you talked about resiliency of how important mm -hmm. that is. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, and also being aware, just as you were saying about your friend of not just about yourself and about what you're going through, but being aware of what the people around you are going through um, and being supportive, whether that's, sending a text or making a phone call or something. Um. Yeah, I think uh, what you bring up, there's so much that you said right there. And I don't, we could probably spend all day here and not unpack all of that. But I think you're absolutely right. This has been, these past few months have really been a difficult time. It's, it's been difficult and it's been challenging. And in some ways it, I mean, there have been good challenges, right, for some of us. I mean, um, absolutely. And with the protests, um, you know, for some of us, just awakening us to realities, um, disturbing realities. Um, but that does take a, a great deal of emotional energy. And if you, if you aren't taking care of yourself, you can't help anyone else. So sometimes we have to kind of pull back a little bit. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to turn off the TV and to turn off the social media in order to repair yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And you repair yourself so that you can then go out and do something productive and constructive um, to address the situations that are there. Um, but yeah, you, you have to, you have to take care of your mental health. And sometimes that does mean unplugging. I mean, I've seen studies that social media in particular, the amount of time that you spend on social media can be really directly tied to, um, uh, challenges with mental health. You know, I don't know what it is about the social media, but I, I limit my time on it. Actually, I kind of get in you know, I look mm -hmm. at it as like a mission, like I've got to do this thing and, right. I'll go in and then I'll get right back out, you know? Um, and sometimes it's that way too, even with the newspaper, you know, if you know that there are certain things, you know, that you need to, to read up on to be an informed citizen, then you do that. But you also have to, you know, make sure that you are spending your time, um, you know, repairing and also being, being grateful, uh, you know, being grateful and, um, being, um, and caring for others. Those are two things that are, I think, tremendously helpful, you know, for mental health, because every time that I reach out to my friend who's struggling, you know, I, I'm kind of subconsciously reminding myself, you know, um, Hey, you know, are you okay? You know, and, and, and you need to, you know, um, have hope and all the things that you're telling your friend are also true for you. Right. Right. Um, and you know, you're telling her, you know, you're there for her. Remember, she's also there for you. Right. And so, um, 
and those things, when we help other people, it does help us, I believe. And, and with gratitudes, the best thing I think to do, and there have been times in my life when I've been really good at this and times when I haven't been so good. And whenever I've been really good at this, um, it helps a great deal is to write down, and most people know this um, technique, just to write down five things that happen in the previous day for which you give thanks. And when you do that, you engage um, multiple senses, right? You engage your sense of touch because you're using a pencil to write. You engage your sense, uh, uh, your vision because you're seeing them. If you read them out loud, you hear them. And then as we do this over and over, even if it's just like I drank a really good cup of coffee, you know, <laughs> um, that there are a lot of days <laughs> on my list, um, you know, that helps you to recognize, oh, you know, and, and to look a little bit smaller, you know, especially when you're in an acute, difficult mental health time, we think catastrophically, we think about, you know, when, I don't know, when um, my son gets the kitchen wet, right, all of a sudden, like, the world is ending, right, and you know what I mean, so it's, it's that kind of dialing the lens back and thinking smaller, um, that can be really helpful. This is just about a wet kitchen, right? It's right. not a, it's not a biblical flood. Um, the world has not ended, right? Right. <laughs> oh, well, and, and sometimes we, and I see that, especially on social media, like, oh my goodness, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And I'm like, well, technically, <laughs> historically, um, so I was a history major in college. And so I find that I draw on that a lot mm. for giving me hope of mm. even when there's great unrest, like these last couple of months, I can think back. I'm like, well, actually we've lived through all kinds of things and we've made it. Yeah. And so yeah. I know that it's not easy, but we've made yeah. it. And so it, it does propel me forward in that uh, of thinking, that okay, the world really isn't ending. Right, and and your own history as well. When you look back at your own history, and you know, the older you get, hopefully, you're able to look back on challenges that you mm -hmm. faced and survived, and say, you know, we did this, we got there. You know, I mean, like one woman once said to me, you know, has Jesus ever failed you? And you know, that's that's my perspective. Right, is is looking back. You know, when I was in the hospital, when I the times that I've been hospitalized for depression and other struggles that I've encountered in my life that, you know, mm -hmm. I made it <laughs> mm -hmm. and, um, and nothing has changed, uh, you know, now in some ways, I don't even like that word really. I agree with you too about, um, this situation we're in that word unprecedented. Like, I mean, this is different. This is certainly different, right? but, um, you know, when you look back even into the 1918 flu pandemic, I mean, um, you know, situations like this have happened to humankind before. Um, well, know, and different, but <laughs> right. And they didn't have Zoom or other technology so that they could easily communicate. They were still writing Correct. notes to each other. Correct. And you think about that of how people were separated then or during the Black Plague where they had no idea how it was spreading, where it came from, and all of a sudden an entire town would be gone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we're better equipped to handle this in some ways than even like five years ago. I mean, right. 
you know, I, grocery delivery, um, mm -hmm. you know, the little things that have even been developed in the past 10 years do make this more possible. And you don't want to minimize, but at the same time, you know, there are a lot of things to be thankful for um, right now. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that, um, you know, and there are wonderful people who have made that possible. Um, so I'm thankful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also know that you, we've talked a little bit about um, along the lines of mental health, uh, your interest in suicide prevention. Um, mm -hmm. And just tell a little bit about where that interest comes mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so my first um, funeral that I performed as clergy was a suicide. Um, you know, I was an associate pastor and the senior pastor was gone and we get this call and that someone had taken their own life. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, responding to that and, you know, unfortunately that is not the only um, suicide situation by far that I have had to deal with as clergy that you know and then in my own life um as i share with you i think in the beginning of when we started talking of a lot of mental illness in my family which all of us probably have a lot of mental illness in, in our families but you know mine is pretty well documented and my cousin did take his own life um at the age of 23. Mm -hmm. um so those are a couple of my interests and then i just you know was able to connect with um other people who had the interest um, and and to work in, in suicide prevention. Um, yeah. It, uh, so what are some of the resources um, that you have found that are helpful? Um, yeah. A shout out to, to some of those things that people can find out in this world. There's a group called Six Feet, Feet Over and Suck It Suicide in, um, in Metro Detroit, I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, she's just really cool, the woman that runs that. Um, and I just like the entire attitude that they have, which is kind of like, I don't know, um, snarky. Um, okay. And, um, you know, kind of engaging that. And they just even um, do little things like they make t-shirts, you know, one of my favorite t-shirts is the one that, um, that I wear, um, which has like 20 things you can do. Cause I think people get kind of deer in the headlights and they feel like, well, what can I do? Well, there are a lot of things you can do. First of all, you can just talk to the person. I mean, the worst thing they can do is ignore your phone call. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and without trying to minimize or explain away what they're going through, just, Hey, I'm here for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and then, you know, ask them directly. I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't recognize is that you cannot put the idea of suicide into someone's head. If someone's hurting that badly, trust me, they've already thought about suicide. Mm. Just ask the question, are you thinking about killing yourself that bluntly? You know, don't mm. beat around the bush, ask the question be open to whatever the answer is and if the answer is yes the follow-up question is do you have a plan if they have a plan that becomes more serious situation and you need to go to a hospital um 
essentially, and the hospital can help you from there. Um, you know, so th those are some of the basic things you can do, but just, just even remaining part of people's lives and not just kind of ghosting them or, you know, treating them like, you know, that you have to deal with them like delicate gloves, you know, like sometimes people, when you're having oppression, people are kind of like condescending to you or whatever, like, Hey, sweetie, you know, you don't have to be like that. You know, you can just be like, Hey, how you doing? How you doing? You know, just right. like kind of your regular tone of voice and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. and still be kind, you know, but you don't have to like be condescending to the person or, um, you know, just be there for them. And that can actually do a lot um, just by being in touch with someone. Um, you'd be amazed what that can do. You can save lives, you know? Right. Um, and, and so that's one. Um, another one, oh, in Suck It Suicide, the other really cool thing that they do um, is they actually will provide a, a funeral for someone who that has died from suicide that does not have the means. Um, and then, and then of course, Kevin's song um, is, you know, I've been really involved with them and they're kind of like, you know, um, really have become the center really of suicide prevention activity. Um, in Michigan and um, yet they're really incredibly um, accessible and Gail Urso, who I want to give a shout out to like if I if I call her and I say this family just lost someone a suicide like she will you know she doesn't really call them right because you don't want to insert yourself yeah. um, but she um, she will be there for them and I can give them her number like if they just want to talk to a parent who's lived through a child dying mm -hmm. of suicide because th there is a truth to kind of you know the only people you really want to talk to sometimes are people who have lived through the exact same thing right. um, and she has you know so um, that's a resource um, I want to give a shout out to be kind like Gia Gia was a youth that I had in my youth group who took her own life. And um, there are these sweatshirts that they are um, selling that, you know, she is one of those people that it was the last person that you would have ever thought would take their own life. Mm. Just the sweetest, sunniest, most wonderful young lady that I just loved and yeah. loved her whole family and was brokenhearted when I heard the news. But her mom responded in like a really cool inner inner family with creating these Be Kind Like Gia shirts that have gone all around the world, just spreading that, you know, message. It says, whatever else you can do, be kind, period. Mm. You know, and that, what a cool way to remember someone who took their own life. And by the way, I just want to say really quick, in case people don't know, that's kind of how we talk about it in suicide prevention is either like took their own life or, or simply killed themselves. Just because when you say commit suicide, it sounds like either a crime or a sin, which mm doesn't really help anyone, right? It just increases the stigma and, uh, and the grief and, and pain, um, really, um, to talk about it that way. So we tend not to, um, and also just so people know who might not have heard this, like yeah. it's really considered impolite to ask about means when someone takes their own life. Um, mm. I mean that, you know, it's kind of common sense, but you'd be surprised how many people will ask those kinds of really, personal questions. So just FYI, those are a few things that I've learned along the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, good stuff. Uh, good stuff for those who may be struggling and those who may be wanting to be supportive um, yeah. of others. So, um, and I will put those in the episode notes um, of those organizations that you mentioned. Um, any other organizations that you want to give a shout out to or books? Gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, Maybe one or two. How about that? Oh, <laughs> I, I actually am having the reverse problem that I just can't think of anything right now. Um, okay. I guess the one thing would be, you know, and whatever you feel about, um, about uh, Rick Warren, and I certainly don't agree with everything that he has said um, ever, but mm -hmm. I really respect him and his wife, Kay, because their son took his own life, and I feel like if – you could dial back to 50 years ago and that situation had happened in this country to probably, you know, the country's leading megachurch pastor, it would have probably just been swept under the rug. And to their credit, they have provided a lot of resources um, for churches, for the church and mental health. And they actually have even created a whole toolkit churches can use called Hope for Mental Health, um, where they can start a Bible study. Um, and Kay Warren has gone around the country talking about suicide. And they have also, from a theological perspective, you know, it was part of his job, Rick Warren's job, to preach on Easter Sunday, which happened to fall on the anniversary of his son's death. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to preach? And he was like, you know what? I do want to preach because Easter gives me the hope that I will see my son again. Mm. And for a leading evangelical pastor to say that, I think changes the conversation within those circles. So um, yeah. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. All right. So one final question. Um, and I know that we have many more topics that we can talk about. And so don't be surprised if uh, Marianne joins me on another episode sometime later. Um, but the question that I always ask everybody is what piece of wisdom do you try to live by? I guess, like Jesus said, let the day's own troubles be enough for the day, you know, uh, just, and probably a lot of people say that, but one day at a time, um, and yeah, I mean, progress, not perfection. Nice. Progress, not perfection. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I'm sure we will uh, see each other before too long on Zoom once again with some <laughs> presbytery yes. meeting that I, yes, that we must do. So, uh, to all those listening, uh, thanks for joining uh, Marianne and I today. And hopefully, you find something uh, useful some piece of wisdom to hold on to um, and something that you can take away and actively do. So thanks for joining me today, Marianne. Thank you. Thank you, Kara. All right, everybody have a good one. <laughs>